Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Welcome to Let's Scare My Girlfriend, the podcast where my boyfriend tries to kill me through showing me end of the world movies during the end of the world. Yay! At least that's what this month has been about. Like how you truncated our title? Yeah. There's been an asterisk put on it. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the last... I can't believe we're already at the end of the month. The end of the, month. of the month. We're recording so far ahead. Because we're in a pandemic and we are so bored. Uh, speak for yourself. I got tons of shit to do. Okay. I've got shit to do. I just don't like that I can't go out. Like, not like I would go outside. I'm a bit of a homebody. But, uh, the fact that I can't is starting to get to me. I'm weirdly fine being inside the house. Yeah, I... I <laughs> In theory, I don't care. I have plenty of stuff to do. I have things that, like, I ha- I do have to work. Like, I'm keeping office hours. I'm doing, it's just yeah. knowing you, I can't You're also go out. a week ahead of me. Like, you've been here a week longer. That's true. Have. Like, my job just recently was like, maybe work from home. And even then, put a big emphasis on that, maybe. And then they're like, maybe come back, maybe work from home. We don't know. We can't give you a straight answer. Cause, yeah. Yeah. So you still have that anticipation of being in the real world. I have lost it. Yeah, um, whatever. I have gained weight. This is lost friends. It's a bad time. No, I'm this just isn't. Josh hates on his job. The podcast. This is. This let's is. Let's scare my girlfriend. <laughs> so this is a month. This month we're doing uh, end of the world pandemic movies that relate to what's going on with COVID nineteen. Yay! Uh, we've done. Let's see. We did. Pandemic, which was hard Contagion. to deal with. Contagion. Whatever. I'm sorry, we've done Contagion. We did Mayhem. It's not very good. And what are we doing 20, today? We did 28 days later. 28 days later. And then today is 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. So this is a fun fact. I've never seen this movie. This is the Bruce Willis movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my very first grown-up job. I was a temp job and I was hired. I was asked to go permanent, but I was like, no, I'm going back to college. At this company called American Built Right. Which was since bought out by um, Kimberly Clark, the paper company. Um, the woman, Jan LaPierre, who was the executive assistant, who was my boss, like I was the executive assistant's assistant, was the nurse in this movie. Nice. Yeah. Fun fact. I never saw it. This movie was shot, a lot of it was shot in and around Philadelphia. That's why. Yep. There's some stuff in Quebec and some stuff in Baltimore, but by and large, most of this was shot. In Philly. Philly. Hometown Philly back again. Yep. So this movie is two hours and nine minutes long. It is rated R. It was had a limited release on December 27th of 1995, but mm-hmm. actual a proper wide release. And the date we'll use when we talk about this movie coming out was January 5th of 1996. Okay. It took a whole... Okay. Well, I mean, December 27th of January 5th. Oh, well, that so, makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. The thing that they do where they're like... like in a select theaters for Christmas. And it's... And then... Everywhere else. In like a week and a half. Right. Yeah. So okay. This, this movie is directed by Cindy Terry Gilliam. It's up by... Oh, really? Of yeah. Monty Python fame? And uh, Brazil and Time Bandits fame. Okay, so... so all right. Let's just get this out. He likes fantasy. He likes Star... Yeah. Well, go ahead. Let's just get this out in the open now. Brazil... Fucking love it. One of we my do. favorite movies of all time. I've seen it. I like it. Yeah. It's not a horror movie. I like it a lot. I like it more than this movie, but this movie is pretty solid. Like, this is a really good Terry Gilliam movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's written by David Webb Peoples, who wrote Unforgiven and co-wrote Blade Runner. Oh. Uh, it was all, he co-wrote Did he it. have something to do with Blade Runner 2049 as well? Uh, I don't think so. Was I, okay. The, the other original writer, Hampton Fancher on Blade Runner co-wrote it, but I forget who he co-wrote 2049 with. Okay. Um, but David Webb Peoples wrote this movie with his wife, Janet Peoples, who would go on to write 47 episodes of the 12 Monkeys TV show because there was a TV show several years later. I did um, not know that. And this movie is based on the film La Jatie by Chris Marker. Very La Jatie? loosely based. Is it a French movie? Yeah, and it's... It's very experimental. Um, okay. And the, it's not so much the... Pl- it's hard to describe. 
Um, okay. The plotting one of those, necessarily they... isn't taken from this movie. They just took a couple things from it enough to where they had to credit they it. They had to give them credit. Like the sh- it's more the structure than the actual plot of the movie. Okay. Um, they took from that. And this movie is, is not the most star-studded film. Hashtag contagion. <laughs> but it's got some fucking people in it. Uh, for sure. So it stars, like you said, So I Bruce mentioned Willis. Bruce Willis. And right. then isn't Brad Pitt in this as well? He is, but... So Bruce Willis is James Cole. You know him from Die Hard and Pulp Fiction and The Sixth Sense. And, and being Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, he, the second billing... Is... Madeline Stowe. Who is that? So she's Catherine Riley. She was in Shortcuts. She's in. She's the female lead of Last of the Mohicans. Okay. She's in... I specifically noted this because you're going to get this movie immediately. She's in The General's Daughter. I know her. She yeah. I know yeah. she is. Uh, she got second billing because... She was a bigger celebrity, a bigger name than our third build person, which is Brad Pitt. So Can you imagine? Brad Pitt made this the year. Like, <laughs> he he started shooting this before Seven. Okay, before um, Fight Club too. Yeah, well, Fight Club was like 99. Oh. So I think it was Seven and there was something else. Um, Legends of the Fall. Oh, I do love Brad Pitt and Legends and of the Fall. And this came out, I think, after both of those. So this was right before. He so walked. in the interim, from the time they started making this movie to it came out, he had gone from like, he's a really interesting actor. He's the third build actor. He's fucking Brad Pitt. Like, yeah. our, like now he would be number one. He'd be over Bruce. Oh, Pitt for sure. At this point, um, he's fucking Brad Pitt. He's legit my favorite movie star currently working. Like, Ooh, that's a big. That's not, a big get, Brad Pitt. Not necessarily Pitt. actor, because I think there's a difference between actor and movie star. Um, but Brad Pitt's fucking incredible. Like, yes. I don't think I've ever seen anything where I'm like, oh, I don't like Brad Pitt in this. Yeah. Even that shitty, was it Meet Joe Black movie where he was deaf? I did he... like Meet Joe Black. I, <laughs> uh, my friend went and drugged me to see that movie. came out when I was either in high school or low college. And I laughed so hard at the part where Brad Pitt is killed at the very beginning like it was embarrassing. It was so funny to me. Oh yeah, same, <laughs> same, same. I got I, I got a little talking to you by my friend that I was an embarrassment. I also laugh every time I see Titanic and the guy jumps off the back of the boat. It's the propeller. Oh my gosh, it that goes, was where I started to cry. He goes ping. <laughs> like, that is kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know if you should have put that noise with it, but uh, actually, in my notes, he plays Jeffrey Goins. But in my notes, Cindy, I wrote Brad Pitt seven. Fight Club. Everything. Not yet. Everything. Every, everything. Um, okay. Next up we have Frank Gorshin as Dr. Fletcher. Who is that? Frank Gorshin is best known to the world as the 1966 Batman Riddler. Oh, I even know who that is. Yeah. Like. Cool. Frank Gorshin. He's from Pittsburgh. He must He's be. Pittsburgh's own. Frank Gorshin. I mean, he was not a young man during, you know, Batman how old was he at this point? Uh, 526. Okay. Well, that, then that checks out. Uh, next up is David Morse. He's Dr. Peters. He was in The Green Mile and Contact. Then we have Christopher Plummer as Dr. Goins. He's in The Insider. And I'm specifically shouting out to The Silent Partner because that movie is goddamn amazing and no one has seen it. I have no idea what you're talking about, uh, but that doesn't mean oh anything. God, the Silent Partner so good. Um <laughs> It's a Canadian movie starring Elliot Gould, where Cindy, no lie. No lie. Elliot Gould notices Jeffrey Plummer working in the mall as a mall Santa, and then figures out he's going to rob the bank that Elliot Gould works at in the mall. So he stashes all this money away. And then when Christopher Plummer, a young Chris Plummer, comes in and robs the bank, he gives him a little bit of the money and then takes the rest home. And then the news is like, this much money was stolen. And Christopher Palmer's like, that cocksucker owes me this money. <laughs> and starts going to his house. And he's like, listen, if you don't give me that money, I'm going to fucking kill you. And then it's just like a cat and mouse game for the rest of the movie. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like, and it all started as a mall Santa? Yeah. We okay. It's, it's a really good movie. Okay. Uh, Weird. Last. Last. Person I'm going to talk about. Not least. Christopher Maloney. Oh, Chris Maloney's in this. This is before Law and Order. Lieutenant Halperin. Yep, Law and Order. But again, playing the cop. Wet Hot American Summer. Yes. As Gene. Gene. My favorite character at Wet Hot American Summer. Oh my god. Up there next to the dick cream. What? Yeah. Um, 
So, Cindy, before we get into this movie, mm-hmm. there has been talk uh, of a lot of people, especially Kevin Smith, being like, well, uh, Bruce Willis is kind of a dick and kind of phones things in. Yes. And, and he either wants to be there and commits or he just shows up and sleepwalks through things. Yes. Uh, he took a deferred salary on this movie. He took very little money. To, he was super... Because he was... He want, was it the movie or was it Terry Gilliam or both, just all of it? Both. But I think he really liked the idea of what this movie is. So he took mostly back-end money. Um, and... Is there anything that we need to look for? Any cameos of like... Other than my old boss, Jan LaPierre. Jan LaPierre, that's who you need to look out for. Yes. Um, so this movie came out, as I, like I said, weirdly in that nebulous area of like December for the limited and then January for the wide. So I, come up, I came up with some facts about 1996 for 1996, you. I was 16. Yeah. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Motorola introduces the StarTac cell phone. It was the first. I had my pager. It was the first real portable. It really kicked off the cell phone boom, um, being accessible to, to to not insanely rich people. Uh, it, the '96 blizzard. Oh, it yeah. was Philly, Philadelphia, yeah. near where you grew up. Got thirty point seven inches. It of was snow, pretty which is wild. A record still. Yes, it was a wild time. Yep. I remember that. Uh, I forgot it was in '96, huh? Dolly the sheep. Is cloned successfully. Eh, she led a hard life, but yeah. And Clinton beats Dole. Bob Dole. In the election. Bob Dole. Uh, people born that year. I don't want to... Oh, my God. Current Spider-Man, Tom Holland. <sighs> Sansa Stark herself, Sophie Turner. And star of The Witch, Anya Taylor-Joy. We're all born in 1996. I'm so old. Uh, people that died in 96. 1996 claimed the lives of Gene Kelly. Fred Luc- Astaire. Lucio Fulci, who is an Italian horror filmmaker that is amazing. Um, Jack Nance, who is in like Twin Peaks and Eraserhead. Okay. He's the one that's like wrapped in plastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Carl Sagan. All oh. died in 96. It was a rough year, too. Don't worry, 1996. You'll get through it. Honestly, like, take heart in this, listener and Cindy. Mm. As I was going through, like, events of 1996, there was a fuckload of, like, bombings. Like, I was going through the timeline, and it was like, a Palestinian man blows himself up and kills 40 people. Uh, Israeli man blows himself up and kills 30 people. Like, we spent all that. So, I was like, oh, so things are kind of shitty every year. Um... (laughs) So, you could take heart in these troubled times that, like, when we look back at history, we tend to look through rose-colored glasses. True. Because there was a lot of people got murdered in 1996, and we're talking about, like, it was a cell phone and Dolly the Sheep. So. Mm. Okay. Josh. It's the time. Show me an original poster, and I will try to discern meaning. Um, I think... Yeah, so it's a black and white poster. Bruce Willis is looking straight at you, and he has that red thing on his eye. Um, I don't know. Uh, so I'm going to... So it has to fit into what's going on in the world right now, like because that's our month. So is it about a pandemic and how it changes the world? That's, that's incredibly vague. <laughs> <laughs> to like be fair, you, that's like, the exact... I like when you get super into it and you're like, I think it's about a knight who rides an octopus. I did not say and then that. They have to fight a man made out of Laffy Taffy. And I'm no, like, I think this, this is like. incredible, Cindy. You should write this. No. Maybe this is the movie about how the Borg was started. And. <laughs> this is a Star Trek prequel. <laughs> it's a prequel about what happened on Earth that. See, there was a plague and people like almost like leprosy, like body parts are falling off. And then kind of like in Star Wars, they like replace the parts with like robots. And then pretty soon people are just born that way. And that's the Borg. All right. Anyway, how can I watch this movie? I'm going to tell you right now that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. <laughs> um, I think you're going to have to probably rent this one off of Amazon. Okay. I don't think it's streaming you have the Blu-ray? anywhere. I do not. 
Oh. I had the DVD and I could not find it. I'm going to blame your brothers. Probably. All right. Well, let's go rent 12 monkeys. Be on the lookout for the nurse. Hello, nurse. Oh, uh, before we go. Yeah. I totally forgot about this. The Something new, important? The new Drag words, me back? The new words that were added. In 1996. our lexicon in 1996. Fist bump. And facepalm. Aww. But those are, yeah, those words are real. They're used all the time. Yeah. All right. Join us, won't you, for 12 Monkeys. Mind the doors. You're a very good observer, Cole. We have a very advanced program, something very different. An opportunity to reduce your sentence considerably. And possibly play an important role in returning the human race to the surface of the Earth. No license, no prints, no warrants. What he took on five cops like he was dusted to the eyeballs. What year is this? What year do you think it is? 1996. That's the future, James. Do you think you're living in the future? I'm simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. We're not in the present now. This is a place for crazy people. I'm not saying you're not mentally ill. For all I know, you're <laughs> crazy as a loon. The army of the 12 monkeys, they're the ones that spread the virus. Monkeys. He's been living in a meticulously constructed fantasy world, and that world is starting to disintegrate. You haven't become addicted to that dying world? No, sir. He needs help. I think I'm crazy when people start dying next month. I don't belong here. You're here because of the system. I know some things that you don't know. Yes, my son. You sent me to the wrong year. You're certain of that? Science ain't an exact science. You had a bullet from World War One in your leg, James. How did it get there? I don't know. You're a trained psychiatrist. You know the difference between what's real and what's not. You said that I had delusions. You said you could explain. I'm trying to. I want the future to be unknown. Please! can help you get you out you can't hide from them don't even try we're all monkeys the thing mutates we live underground they're watching you i just want to do my part to get us back on top in charge of the planet Welcome back. We have just watched 12 monkeys. I didn't see one monkey in it. That's not true. I saw like a few, but it was pretty early on. Were there 12? I don't remember. I do know that there is a a random, uh, someone I used to work with in this movie. That was kind of fun to see. There you go. Yep. Jan LaPierre from, gosh, I used to work for, I was a temp to perm at some random place one summer. And she was the nicest lady. And she was an actress. Like, kind of on the side. She was much older. And we were talking. So I was still, I think, a theater major at the time in college. And she said, oh, you know, have you ever seen 12 Monkeys? No. And, oh, I was in that. You know, and when you told me it, it was shooting, or it had shot in Philadelphia, I was like, oh, yeah. And it reminded me of that. Wife of Wayne LaPierre, the head <laughs> of the NRA. No, I'm sorry, not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so shout out to, what was her name? Jan LaPierre. Jan she LaPierre. played the nurse. Um, and the, also a shout out to Brad Pitt's weird eye in this movie. In the yeah, that is weird. How does he do that? I don't know. He's because he's magical. Tell me. I think we've talked about this before. It may have been in the beginning of this episode where I audibly heard that woman get aroused at the just the sight of Brad Pitt <laughs> when I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> 
like the scene where he strips his shirt off. Yep. I heard a lady in her like forties or fifties go, "Oh," and I was like, "Oh, oh, I can, oh, yeah." But you know, he's Brad Pitt. He is. He is. Uh, he can do no wrong. A very handsome gentleman. So there's a strange thing that happened in this movie. The way that Cindy could prove that it was not indeed the future. Do you remember that? So, uh, spoiler alert, but why are you watching? Why are you listening to our podcast if you haven't seen the movie? But, spoiler alert, the 12 monkeys ends up being they go to the local zoo, which is the Philadelphia Zoo, and they release all the animals. Well, in December of 1995, there was this, Philadelphia was known for the monkey house. It was this... I guess it was state-of-the-art for the time, but it was, like, this really cool, big, like, house that the gorilla, the the big gorillas lived in. Um, and in December of 95, it burned to the ground and killed all the monkeys inside. Um, I'm not saying that laughing. Like, it is something that is so sad in my memory. Like, I can't even... Growing up in that area, we'd go to the zoo all the time, at least twice a year, my whole life. Um, so then when they jump ahead in the future and they're at the at the monkey house i was like oh yeah that's not that's not the future that that doesn't last (laughs) this doesn't that that won't be there in about three more months that's in the the light side future we're in the we're in the dark side side that is true i firmly believe that the apocalyptic future where everything ends firmly Um, believe so because this is a podcast about scary shit Mm -hmm. i feel before we get into the regular uh, our regular gist of things. Yeah, our, the, the, look at my schedule here. The regular rundown of yeah. events for this podcast. I feel like it, it, it would be an apt time to tell you. I have a fear of gorillas because they're fucking mm-hmm. terrifying. You should. Like, you should. You ever like, listener, do you ever listeners, people that, that may come across this somehow? Gorillas could very easily break you in half. Yeah. Like, and, not, and you're, you're not a you're small man. You've been to the zoo and just like been near a gorilla <laughs> and thought, man, that thing could just pick me up and split me in half. Yeah. Like, they're, god damn, they're terrifying. There's a reason Homo sapiens have put you know them behind cages because they could. They're so much stronger than we are. Yeah, gorillas are terrifying. Yeah, strong. for sure. Oh. Yeah. I, that's such a strange kind of fear. I mean, it's something like I have a healthy respect for them. I've never it, been someone who wants to like, play with the monkeys, yeah. but it's not a thing where like if I see a gorilla in a movie or I'm like, ugh, like I do that with snakes. I have mm-hmm. legit like irrational fear of snakes. People be like, it's not even, it's a harmless snake. Look at it's harmless. Can't do it. I had the snake in the backyard. Uh, gosh, about two weeks ago, I guess. And I don't care about snakes. They don't bother me. Um, a lot of other stuff does. <laughs> and the dog kind of chased it off and i was like i was telling my mom who um it was out near her apartment i was like do not tell josh about this he will not come outside for like weeks oh, do gross. not they, they shouldn't work they shouldn't they should just lay still they shouldn't be able to move that's how i feel it's about gross. like spiders and like spiders crabs i don't like the way they move spiders worry me if i don't know what kind of spider it is because mm-hmm. i'm like i don't want to get bit by something and then like my fucking arm fall off. Yeah. But if someone's like, it's harmless, I'm fine. It nope. doesn't bother me. I don't like the way they but move. But with snakes, it's irrational. It's just I like hate I'm, the way ugh. you move. Boo-doo-boo. But like, I hate the way <laughs> Gorillas. Oh my God, it was Christmas 95. I just fact-checked myself. Day. Yeah, it was, well, my, yeah, it was overnight into Christmas Day 1995. Uh, I'm sorry, who, You know who did that? You knew who killed all those monkeys? Probably Brad Pitt and the 12 Monkeys. Santa Claus. <laughs> Think about it. Lines up. Because they're not real. Breaking news right now. Santa Claus killed all those monkeys. Thanks. In Philadelphia. Okay. The worst city in America. <laughs> uh, I'll say it again. I'm the remaining, worst I'm remaining silent. So I'm going to recap the plot. They killed a shitload of gorillas by burning a thing. I'm out. going to. I'm going to recap a plot. You want your, your hometown. <laughs> not, you're not going to talk this way about... I mean, yeah. Pelted Santa Claus with snowballs it was until a, he left the okay. field. There was, you'll hear more about this in my Philadelphia Apologizer podcast, but there's a lot more to the story than that. It was not that they were throwing snowballs at Santa. It was that there was a very drunk, skinny man flopping around because the other Santa didn't, it was a whole thing. 
and that that's why they did that. Okay. Anyway, so let's recap the plot of Twelve Monkeys. <laughs> Twelve Monkeys take we open very similar to Brazil, which makes sense. Josh told me they have the same director. Um, Brazil and Twelve Monkeys has the same writer or director. Same director. So I mean, Gilliam Terry Gilliam. That's it. Also helped with the screenplays, I believe, but he's the same director from. So we like open in Terry Gilliam's view of the future, a la Brazil, but it's a jail. And prisoners are able, they, prisoners have to go to the surface. We learn that all of humankind has been trapped under earth because of a pandemic that has pushed everyone on underground. And they select these prisoners at random to go to the surface and collect kind of samples. And our protagonist is chosen to go up. And then when he's out there, he they determine that he's a really healthy guy. And so he's chosen to go back in time and prevent the pandemic from happening. And the whole movie is the series of events that lead up to that happening or not happening. Because, I mean, yeah, because he kind of goes back and forth a few times and... um. There's not a lot of time spent in the dystopian future. What does IMDb say about this movie, Josh? In a future world devastated by disease, a convict is sent back in time to gather information about the man-made virus that wiped out most of the human population on the planet. Yeah, so I did pretty well that time. Yeah. There's just, a, as per usual, there's just a little more concise than mine. I think this might be the only pandemic film I can think of. That I was that okay with? Centers on time travel. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of a random. The whole thing of like, wow, we fucked this up. We're pretty much all <laughs> Let's dead. Let's restart. Let's go back in time and see if we can figure this shit out. And, s- and the thing is, like, I appreciate the fact that at no point are they like, hey, so we're going to go back in time and stop this from happening. Because mm-hmm. they're like, we, that's not possible. You can't stop They just want right. to know how it... So they're like, we're going to send you back in time because... Once it got released, it mutated like crazy. We need to get an original, right, like Unmutated version of the virus, virus, right, so we can like create like a vaccine or a cure right. for it. And that's the whole plot of this movie. Mm-hmm. And side note, it doesn't work. But so the future stuff when he's like a prisoner mm-hmm. in the weird techno underground chain link prison, yeah. Future, uh, that's 2035. 2035. Yeah. So it's in 15 years. Yeah, that's about on, poor, on par. They send him, they're supposed to send him to like, I think, 96? Yeah, and they send him to like 45. 1990. Yeah. Well, they, they send him to World War One briefly. Because mm-hmm. that's a whole plot. Like he goes to, they accidentally send him too far back to World War One. He gets shot in the leg. That's how she later... And then they send him back to 95. Because they he does the thing, like... I'm a... So I'm from the future, and they're like, no, you're not. Yeah, basically the first three quarters of this movie is Bruce Willis trying to convince everyone around him that he's from the future, mm-hmm. and he knows what's going to happen. That's the most realistic part of this movie, is that nobody would believe him. And then he has essentially like a, a moment where he snaps and is like, you know what, this is all in my head, this isn't real. You're right, I'm... And he tries to convince Madeline to like, listen, I'm fucking crazy, I love you. And, I'm, like, and I'm crazy. But I know I'm crazy, and I've made this elaborate thing up in my head, and she's like, at that point, she has to be the one to, be, to tell him... No. Like, oh, no. You f- the facts line up. You know things that happened. There was a bullet from World War One in your leg. She finds a photo because she does. she's putting together this big book lecture thing about, like, um, I forget the name of the, uh, is it Cassiopeia? Mm-hmm. I forget. It's based on, like, some Greek legend. And the thing is, like, your gift you're both gifted and cursed with knowledge of yeah. what's going to happen because while you know what's going to happen, you can't you can't change it. shit because no one believes you. Mm-hmm. Like when you start shouting, I'm from <laughs> the, the world's future, ending. No one's going. Yeah, everyone thinks you're a, you're a fucking psychopath or a crazy person. So my takeaway from this movie, I think, was was just that was like you can't change the future. You know, you trying to change the future is probably part of the story of the future. You know, that sort of a thing. Like, yeah, I get that. It was very Doctor Who in that sense. 
Like there's some things that you just can't change. It is what it is. It was a little heartbreaking, the end, to see it, you know, the first few steps of the pandemic happen. And also that little kid Bruce Willis sees himself murdered Mm -hmm. by the police, gunned down by the police in front of like, Bruce Willis has an adult get shot down in front of Bruce Willis Mm -hmm. as a child who Mm -hmm. sees everything happen, which is potentially what sent him on the fucked up path he was on where he ended up in jail in the future. So perhaps, perhaps it's a a cyclical thing. We know that circle. Um, what, uh, were there any like big thematic elements? Do you think Terry Gilliam was trying to get over a big theme or a big point other than what do you think? Well, like I said, you know, you can't change the future sort of a thing. And I like the idea that we get stupider <laughs> the more we go on. That seems to be a, a common element in the dystopian. Idiocracy is 500 years oh, in the future, and now we're already there. Yeah. Like, we have an actor as reality show host as president. I'd rather have Herbert Elizondo Mountain Dew Camacho as president. <laughs> Terry Crews. What about you? What do you Those think? Shit's all fucked up. Running out of burrito covers. Um, I think this movie plays with a couple of things. It does the thing of like, um, it plays, I like how it plays with expectations and not really a theme, mm-hmm. but it's the thing this movie does, it plays with expectations because it really takes you down the Bruce Willis thought train of Brad Pitt's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And he's the yeah, person Yeah, that was an interesting that. turn. And then... As you follow it, and it, the movie really is like, oh, Brad Pitt's about to oh, fuck the world up. Yeah. You find out, nope, it wasn't at all. It well, was just this cra- random the- guy that we barely saw be yeah. creepy in a few scenes. The, yeah, but it was also like the mad ravings of a lunatic sort of a thing. It was a false lead. I liked that. Yeah. That was a neat... Th- if you And if you've seen the movie Brazil, there are a lot of throwbacks to that as well. The computer screen things, the magnifiers... Um, were used. Uh, yeah. What's the, Just want to put that out there. The thing about the seven... I'm trying to remember my Bible. Uh-oh. We're in for it now, folks. What about the Bible? The idea of, like, seven... like The, the seven, seven seals vials. and things like that. There's mm-hmm. seven golden vials. Mm-hmm. There's seven golden seals in the book of Revelation. He has seven of those vials. Remember that he opens... Oh, I didn't even notice that, but yeah, you're right. Apocalypse. So, That's right. Just small stuff like that. I will say that there's a theme in this movie that I love when movies play with, and that's the theory of, and the, the theme of memory, mm-hmm. and how memory works. Okay. Um, and same with Because we don't know how memory works. But like, I found a quote from Terry Gilliam that talks about this movie. And he said, Cole has been thrust, which Cole, Cole is Bruce, is Bruce Willis, Willis yeah. our, our protagonist, thrust from another world into ours, and he's confronted by the confusion we live in, which most people somehow accept as normal, so he appears abnormal, and what's happening around him seems random and weird. Is he mad, or are we? Uh, yeah. I like, yeah, and, and this does do a really interesting, that the technology that he kind of little you know the technology that he goes back to in the 90s and he's like oh wow yeah i remember that oh yeah because he remembers it from when he was a child before they went underground and this movie also plays with the idea that memories are subjective Mm -hmm. because every time he has the flashback memory of being a kid it changes it changes Mm -hmm. people's faces change to fit what is really happening he thinks is happening yes right like he sees when he thinks that it's... Uh, Brad Pitt at one point yeah. in that flashback, and he's like, oh, shit. It's him. That's him. how... Yeah. He was so convinced that it was him. That was an interesting twist. I wasn't expecting the movie to take. Was that, yeah, this guy is planning something, but no, nothing like that. But then it does kind of have a tie back into... You know, it does all kind of lead. I don't know. It was a good movie. It was very interesting. Very interesting, very interesting. Yeah, and then you also got to take into account that if you remember when he's in the asylum, he meets the guy who's mentally divergent, mm-hmm. or the black guy who's like, you know, I know that I'm here, but sometimes when I close my eyes and open them, I'm on another planet. Right. And I'm having that, and so it clearly sets that up in the movie 
to make you go, is he? I did for a while, for sure. Is this real? Because I'll be honest with you, other than the fact that, like, if you take out the scenes where he just disappears. Yeah. You would not know whether this was real or not. Correct. Like, And that could all have been in his head because it was so... The 90s in Philadelphia, it accurately, were very kind of grimy. And then in the future, everything's kind of crazy. And like like Brazil, where it's kind of neon and boing, kind of susicle-like. So for a while, I did. I was like, oh, maybe he is. Maybe he has just lost his mind. Yeah. Like the three main timelines, he, he's 2035, obviously, right? Where the future is ruled. The planet's surface is covered in the animals that escaped from the zoo. Right. Or were let out by Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes back to 1990. He's way too early. Everyone thinks he's crazy. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not crazy. And they're like, that's what a crazy that's person That's what a crazy person would say. In the asylum. Um, and then they lock him up and he disappears out of a cell. Yep. And then when he comes back, it's 1995. That's the only reason I kept going. No, it, it's not all in his head because yeah. he did actually disappear from that cell. Like out of restraints, out of a locked room, disappears, goes back. And he's like, you sent me to the wrong time. And they send him back again, this time to 1995. Which is the right time. And <laughs> there's a, there is a, it's not like, this has a connection to The Fisher King. In my mind, I, I put those two movies. This this has okay. a Fisher King feel to it. Yeah, because, okay, Gilliam directed The Fisher King, this, in Brazil. And they all feel very similar. Mm-hmm. The way that these like, Brazil and this feel similar in the way technology and the look of the film and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. The Fisher King and this movie feel similar and definitely feel very Gilliam-esque because they're stories of a person who's not homeless but identifies closely with homeless with people. With the homeless, the idea crazy of... people. Because when Brad Pitt goes back, he befriends all these crazies mm-hmm. and these homeless people and that's the world he moves through. Yeah. Like, he doesn't you know, up here in 1995 with like, hey, uh, I'm here with some money and I've got a working knowledge of what's going to happen. And, and he shows up and navigates through the world of like homeless, homeless people. and yeah. And it's homeless people that are all their operatives. Like how many people pop up as he's like talking to someone and be like, they're always listening or mm-hmm. they listen to you through your teeth. Like there's all it's they're all homeless people. Yeah. Which does not sell your point that you know the that future. you're not the, right if they're all homeless people but ends up convincing her that he is correct it's just like some random comment he makes and she it ends it up kind the, of coming true the boy in the well that wasn't actually in the well he was hiding in the yeah barn. it was just some flippant comment he made uh this movie i don't think we can do the arkoff formula for this month's movies because these movies are well, i think the other movies it. Well, I think this the, one, yeah, like Mayhem, especially. Oh yeah, Mayhem did that's true. Later, yeah, I think most of them, Contagion and this don't at are all. Be the two that are like not no. really. Contagions are weirdly our most listened to episode. Really? Of especially this year. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to talk about. I love that movie. You love talking about that movie. Right Tell now. me some trivia for this movie. Um, Give me something fun, other than Cindy's old supervisor Jan Lapierre's in it. Husband, wife of Wayne Lapierre. No. Um, so everyone worked in this movie for a reduced rate because they wanted to work with Terry Gilliam. Like okay. everyone was like, "Fuck, I want to work with Terry Gilliam." Uh, and you know how you can tell. You know you can tell Bruce Willis wanted to be there. How? Oh. Because he he is a part of a cast. He's acting. Acts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like. Bruce Willis movies. I like Bruce Willis in movies, but man, oh man, sometimes he's a dickhead who phones it in because he doesn't like the cast or the director. Yeah, a la I. Kevin Smith and yeah. uh, yeah, um, cool dude. He has yeah, but man, he Way goes to be for it in this. And I will say that when he showed up to work with Gilliam, Terry Gilliam gave him a written list and was like, "These are all Bruce Willisisms that I want you to not do once during this movie." Oh shit! Like. None, none of that, like, staring steelily at, like, the camera. Mm-hmm. None of those, like, mm-hmm. put, nothing. None of that is like, allowed. You don't get a fallback on any of these Bruce Willis mannerism things that you do in every movie. Oh, I wonder if any other directors ever tried that. So he was like, no diehardisms, nothing. Like, no uh, blue steel look. That's what he told him. He's like, you're not an action hero in this movie at all. 
Maybe that's why you liked it. Um, and I, yeah, I think that might be a thing. So for uh, the manic insanity that was Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. they sent him to a speech therapist to try to get a like to try to get him all like hyper and a speech faster. And ultimately, what they found worked was the eye. Brad Pitt was a heavy smoker at the time. Mm-hmm. They would just refuse to let him smoke. He would just get angry and, he would just get and agitated. And agitated. Nice. <laughs> They'd hold out the cigarettes yeah, like an animal. For like ten hours, and he'd be like, ah, ah, like just super, like, yeah. Hurry up and because get the scene cigarettes. done. Cigarettes. <laughs> uh, I would watch this movie again. This was a movie I would watch again. It was just because it was really interesting. It wasn't just scary. Um, Contagion was scary. I didn't like it. Oh. It. I would say this is the least scariest of all the movies. This wasn't scary. I mean, it it ends on a sour note for sure, but it's not like, it, it yeah, it's not scary. It, um, it's it, it's an interesting story and it's shot in an interesting way, and it is a really unique storyline, and I appreciate that. This movie was made by Universal, which is interesting because when Terry Gilliam made Brazil ten years earlier, ten-ish years earlier, he had such a huge fight with him because... With Universal? Yeah, he made it. He delivered his director's cut, and it screened it, I think, what, like, con? And it won, like, an award. Like, it was... People were like, this is a really fucking good movie. It was. And the studio was like, no, it needs a happy ending that makes sense. So they cut the movie part and put, like, a different ending on it. And (laughs) he took out, like, a full-page ad... And I think Variety, that was like... Explaining that it's not his no, movie? No, no, no. Well, not even that. It said, Dear Sid. Yeah. So head of Universal. Sid Schoenberg, the head of Universal. When will you release my movie in its uh, director's cut? Terry. That was a two-page full spread. Don't fuck with somebody who has money. And uh, that did him no favors. And there was a big battle huge like in the press i think even in court and essentially what happened was gilliam was like i'm never fucking working for them again so 10 years later they like working for them again. totally different like people running Universal. that's true and they were like hey we want to do this movie we'd like you to direct it and he was like yeah uh you know what i'm gonna need in writing total control like i want to have final cut so you can't dick with this movie at all once i make it and they were like, "Deal." Oh, that's good. So, and that's kind of. It was a it was a good movie. Did it? Was it a blockbuster success? I would say it was. I right. It, I definitely remember this movie. I remember. I, I don't. Rem, I I remember it being successful, but that doesn't necessarily mean it, it was. was. Yeah. I remember this movie coming out and being insane. Brad Pitt got an Oscar and uh, for playing Golden him Globe in, nomination. He, he didn't go full retard. Yeah, as they say. Uh, and Brad Pitt wasn't even at one point going to be in this movie. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Who was going was to be going that character? At one was point, it going to be Gutenberg? Is this how Gutenberg lost out on everything? He made one bad decision. Hey, Cindy. He didn't want to be in Twelve we, Monkeys. Before we get into that, do you know you know who turned this movie down? Bronson Pinchot. No. Who? Because what's a recurring theme of our podcast? This podcast could be called. Let's scare my girlfriend to death. And Josh loves Kurt Russell. Or movies Robert De Niro turned oh, down. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, so I guess Robert De Niro turned that Robert down. Robert De Niro turned down. The Brad Pitt role? No, the Bruce Willis role. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um, and then at one point, Terry Gilliam wanted Nick Nolte mm-hmm. to play the Bruce Willis role and Jeff Bridges to play the Brad Pitt role. Oh. And then he wanted Jeff hmm. Bridges to play the Bruce Willis role. And that actually got close. But the studio was like, we like Jeff Bridges. However, he's not the name that we're hoping will carry this movie. Yeah, Brad Pitt definitely brought in the teenage girls and the young women. It wasn't even him. He got third billing. Well, Bruce Willis at the time, too. It was Bruce Willis. This movie was built off of the Bruce Willis name. So when Universal was like, we've got Bruce Willis, he said he'll do it. That was when Gilliam was like... All right, because I think, I don't know this for a fact, but 
the giving him the list of mannerisms and shit feels mm-hmm. like he was like daring Bruce Willis. Like, just go ahead and quit. Quit. Like, because I would much rather work with Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Because he had a really not good relationship with Jeff Bridges. Um, so who knows? But Interesting. The fact that, you know. Yeah. Before we wrap up and say goodbye. Couple, a couple things. A couple things. I would watch this with my 14-year-old. I think he would think this was fun. It wasn't too Arkov-like, I guess. Um, I think that your youngest son, who thought the movie Commando looked scary. I don't think he could do it, no. Arnold nope. from the 80s, where he just kills a whole island full of dudes. He thought that looked too scary. Yeah, so he wouldn't do this. What's this rate? Is it PG or PG-13? I think this is R. Oh. This is R. No, this should not be an R. Commando should be R. Uh, Commando was an R. Um, oh, um, also... I totally forgot to mention this. Johnny Depp was almost Brad Pitt's part. Really? So that would have been interesting, I think. I, get, I see him like different. a Captain Jack Sparrow type. Like yeah. that, I think that's how he'd play it. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention a minute ago when we were talking about like kind of the things we saw or the themes of this movie. Did you notice that the more technology is involved, the less people are able to talk to each other in this movie? No. Like, Tell me. What do you mean? He goes back in time to 1990, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, throughout the movie, they keep having issues, like, talking cross-purposes. Okay. Like, he, in the future... I'm trying to follow where you're going with this. There's weirdly less technology in the future, right? Well, yeah. Because they're underground. And they're, yeah. And, so, and there's not a whole lot. There's a lot of people, like, in cages... And they put on, like, those big bubble suits, and they go walk around out and... <laughs> the kind that, like, we're supposed to be doing right now? Yeah, they go walk around out and, you know... Wearing their PPE? Downtown Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So in the future, people are talking, and they're having one-on-one conversations, and they're whatever. When he goes back in time to when it's, like, chaotic and there's a lot of technology, people talk around each other, but not to each other as much, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of a thing I noticed in this movie. Was there's less direct conversations. There's less meaningful conversations in the past. It's not until he's alone with her in the room. Mm -hmm. Or not in the room, in the car. When they have that car trip that they actually start having a conversation. But then it keeps getting interrupted by the radio. Interesting. That'd be something to look for if you watch it again. Just a little little takeaway. Anything else? Um, Like you said, this... Oh, Vertigo's in this movie. Tell me how. You know, the movie Vertigo. That's what yeah. they go watch in the theater. Oh, is it? oh yeah, that's right, that is. Yeah, so Vertigo is an Alfred Hitchcock movie from 58, mm-hmm. and it went on to inspire La Jetie, which is the film that inspired this movie. Oh, well, that's kind of, cl- so kind of a cool like connection. A of Operations, kind of like a beginning, middle, and end sort of thing. And they layer the scenes of her... And the movie of the Madeline character mm-hmm. in Vertigo dyeing her hair and whatnot with Madeline Stowe, who's also named Madeline. Fixing him up and doing and his hair. And also dyeing her hair from a brown to a blonde. Just like she does in the movie. In Vertigo, yeah. So Well, just, she has a wig, but yeah. Um, I think the only other thing I kind of wanted to mention to you was that the Eastern State Penitentiary is where they shot the asylum stuff mm-hmm. in Philly. Never been, but okay. That's why it looks terrible like a and scary. Nightmare. You know, that prison was known for like extreme solitary confinement. Yeah. To the point where like people that would go in that had like criminal records or whatever yeah. would come out clinically insane because the the guy who ran the prison believed would be, like, in just putting them there alone. Fuck it, put them in a room by themselves for like twenty days or whatever. They did, they did a lot of that apparently. Oh and, wow! Uh, it was a big issue, and then the airport at the end was actually the. Philadelphia Convention Center. Center. Yeah, I could tell. That's really cool. Yay, that's really fun. I like this movie. It was interesting. Um, This is our last one for the month, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so let's rank them. Uh, Let's see. We've done Mayhem, Contagion, this one. What's the other one? We're trying to understand. One was Contagion, two was Mayhem, three was 28 Days Later, and then this one. Okay, I put this one as your one. As my one, then twenty eight days later. I think I would just go in reverse order. 
I like Contagion would be my would be my last one. Which one came second? Mayhem. Yeah, I think I'll just do that. I would go in reverse order. So twelve monkeys, then twenty eight days later, then mayhem, then contagion for me. Cindy. Yeah. I think because this is the one we watched the most recent for the podcast. That I'm remembering it better. That I'm in agreement with. <gasps> with you. I, I, okay. We've been in. If you we've, been in the, we've been in confinement too long. If you listen to the twenty eight days later one, I have such a weird connection to that movie, mm-hmm. and I think I like it more but objectively i think 12 monkeys is a better wow wow we never agree so i I, it's hard to tell like if you ask me this question in two hours or two days i might say 20 days later then 12 monkeys but right now coming off this movie and really thinking about it i probably would go 12 monkeys first that's fair that's fair okay what do we got uh so next month we are still in the middle of our pandemic. Are we going to continue pandemic movies? What are we so doing next we're month? We're not doing deceased stuff. We're doing horror movies where people are trapped in specific or singular locations. Like Ace in the Hole? Kind of. Except not a horror movie. But yeah, Ace in the Hole is a fucking excellent movie. Yeah, it's a really good. It. Yeah. Okay. The, so what are we watching next week then? Second or third best Kirk Douglas movie? <laughs> that Save it. Save it. We're for a Michael talk, Douglas never, podcast. Uh, Kirk Douglas. And, no, I'm just saying, then you can have an offshoot about Kirk Douglas. Uh, what are we watching next week as just to kick off uh, Isolation Month? First of all, Michael Douglas is the offshoot. <laughs> it's true. You do love Kirk Douglas a lot more than Michael. Kirk Douglas is so much better. Um, so we're going to start with uh, Tank Cloverfield Lane. That's going to be what we're going to do next week. Is that the sequel to... Cloverfield or something? It's the second in the Cloverfield world, but it has literally no connection to the first Cloverfield movie. Except that, you heard it here first, I like it more than the first Cloverfield. Hmm. Even though I did enjoy the first Cloverfield a lot. Okay. Well, join us next week, won't you? Mind the doors. Bye.